0: Go to John chapter 21, verses 15 through 23. We're going to talk about obeying your calling. Let you guys get there. And so the question today is, what is your calling? What are you being called to do? And so, as we're looking at this passage, um, we'll read it here in a second. But can you imagine what it must have been like for Peter when he remembered that he had denied knowing Christ after the resurrection? I mean, just put yourself in Peter's place for just a second. And Jesus died, Jesus was being arrested, and he was being tried, and you denied him and said, I didn't know the man. I don't know him. I'm not with him. And just imagine being in his place on Monday morning, realizing that Jesus had lived and you were denied him. There was something special and you were denied knowing the Messiah. That'd be kind of heartbreaking in its own right, wouldn't it? Um, and the reality is that we all have a story from before our salvation that would give us pause in the presence of the Lord. So as we look back at before we were saved, and we think about that lifestyle we lived, what it was like, we have to think about what it was like for as we go back into God's presence, right? Is he going to love me for who I was? We can think of different biblical examples. We can think of Moses the murderer. We can think of David with his many, many, many sins and his repentance, right? We can think of Jonah running away from the Lord and not wanting to go tell people about God. We can think of Abraham having a child with Sarah's servant and going outside of God's plan. We know, we know reading through the Bible that God forgave those acts because they repented from them, right? And so too, we repented and we got saved and so that Previous lifestyles no longer held against us, correct? And Peter had to have known that at some level that God was going to forgive him, but it would have been kind of a scary thought to be in his pres- in his mind, wouldn't it? That what what's, what's Jesus thinking? I, he knows what I did. He he told me before I was before I did it, I was going to do it. What's he thinking about me? Am I still going to have a place in this this world that he has? Um, Peter had denied Christ three times in one night and left left Christ during his hardest time Peter the man that was willing to die fighting with Christ when the soldiers came to make a rest didn't know what he was going to do when the response was to just let God do his thing right remember we we kind of forget we remember the denying Christ but sometimes we forget that When they came to arrest Christ, his first response, I'm gonna fight and save him, even if it cost me my life. He was willing at that time to fight Roman soldiers, so much so they chopped one of them's ear off. But when he was left outside of that option to fight to death, he didn't know what to do. He was lost, he was confused, right? And so that led him down the path of denying God because he was just, what do I do? We've all kind of been there at times, right? When we, when we, what we want to do doesn't work, we know that's not the godly thing to do. What do we do? And just imagine the tension that must have been in Peter's whole body when, when Jesus took Peter to the side to talk and have a conversation the next day, right? You guys ever been a... Tense situation where you know you had to talk to somebody and you had to have the conversation, but you really didn't want to because you really didn't know what was going to happen in that conversation. Just imagine Peter there eating breakfast and Jesus saying, hey, Peter, come here. I want to talk to you for a second. Okay. (laughs) Right? (laughs) What's he going to say? Is he going to strike me down? Is he going to yell at me? Is he mad at me? Does he love me? I don't know what's going on. And just imagine that tension. We've all been in those situations where we just didn't know what was going to happen, what the conversation was going to end up like. Thankfully, we have a disciple that was an eavesdropper, kind of nosy. And he snuck around to listen to the conversation so he could record it for us. So let's look at that passage. John 21, verses 15 through 23. So so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. And I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you would stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify what kind of death he would glorify. He would would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following him. That disciple was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So this report spread, the, spread to the brothers that this disciple would not die, yet Jesus did not tell him that he would not die. If I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Father, we thank you for second chances. We thank you for, for just loving us, Father, in the, in the midst of who we are, who our nature is, Father. We just thank you for loving us. We thank you for seeing your son, that we can have life, even though we don't deserve it, Father. We thank you for giving us a gift that, that we didn't deserve and don't, we never could seek out our own, Father, but we thank you for just being there and giving it to us. Father, we just praise you and we love you in your name, amen. So as we, as we go into this passage, the first thing I want you guys to remember is the, the Great Commission, are right, we? We've all heard that. We've all read that. So let me read that to you real quick in Matthew. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. It says, And Jesus came near and said to them, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, deserve everything, uh, to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I wanted to start there as we look at that because that's kind of the commandment Jesus was giving us and we see it again here when he's talking with Peter a little bit. Um, So three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. And three times Peter said yes. Correlation is Peter denied Jesus three times also, right? So we all kind of know that correlation. But But Jesus had different response every time. The first time... He told when he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Yes, I love you. They said, Feed my lambs. And so, I want to kind of want to talk about a little bit of what he's talking about here and what, what the idea is. When we think about lambs, I kind of thought about new believers. We share the word to them as we're feeding them, we're giving them that word of life. We got we teach the, the lambs what it is to be a Christian those new Christians, as they've gotten saved, we teach them what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because, like a lamb, they don't know. They don't know what life is like and what they need to do. They have to be taught, and they have to be led, and they have to be fed, right? If you don't feed a lamb at the beginning, what happens to it? It dies, right? So he said, Peter, feed the lambs. Feed those new believers. Help them to understand. It's a new life for new believers, and... Unfortunately, we're all going to make mistakes, right? And they're going to make mistakes as they make those first steps as a new believer. And so as we as older, more mature believers who still make mistakes, right? We can teach them that when you make a mistake, how do we recover from that? How do we adjust from those time periods when we're still learning and we're still not understanding everything? Right? We can repent of it and still and go on. And God's going to still love us. He's going to take care of us. It's not about the mistakes we make, but rather about the moving forward and the continually growing. And so that's an important piece to understand that when he says feed the lambs, he's really kind of talking to all of us. And we spent some time the last couple of weeks talking about being leaders in the church and being teachers. Right. And I, and I said we were all teachers in some way, shape or form. We all have this job to go out and tell others about Jesus but in order to tell them about Jesus, we have to feed at the beginning, right? We have to feed them God's word so they understand who God is and what God is and how God can work in their lives to change them. So if we don't feed first, we kind of jump over the jump over everything else and they don't get to know the basics of what, what it means. And the second time, he told them to shepherd my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Shepherd my sheep. What does it mean to shepherd? What's a shepherd's job, right? Shepherd's job is to to lead. Okay, so now that we've we've fed them, we've taught them. Now we can kind of lead people where to go. We lead those new followers, not so much as lambs anymore, as they've grown up. Now it's time to lead them to where God is leading. So, we need, so a shepherd leads them to food, leads them to where they need to go. It's no longer a job to feed them, it's just to lead them to where the food's at, and they can eat on their own. Um, so as we lead people are where God is. A shepherd leads by example. He goes in front. And when danger comes, he fights the danger. We protect other believers. Something I think we miss in churches a lot of times today is we forget to protect each other. When we see a when we see a Fellow believer going astray, what do we do? Do we just let them keep walking that path? Or do we shepherd them and go to them? Leave the main group and go to them and grab them and bring them back. Say, hey, come back over here. I see you're struggling. How can I help you? How can I shepherd you back to where it needs to be? And sometimes that's a tough thing to do. Because sheep don't always want to go where they're supposed to go. And sometimes it takes a whack on the head to get them to go where they need to go, right? Or it takes a dog to go grab them and scare them back to where it needs to be, put back where it needs to be. Um, Because unfortunately, sheep are not very smart. Right? And I'm a sheep myself, and I'm not very smart sometimes. I do my own thing, and I want to go my own way. Then I need somebody to come back and say, Hey, turn around, and get back where God wants you. I need somebody lead me back to where God is at. Because sometimes my, my human nature wants to take me and walk me away from where I need to be at. Yeah, you know, I think if we all asked, said the truth, I think we'd all say, that is me. I don't think anybody in here would say, is I'm always staying right where I'm supposed to be. Like, human nature tells us to go to where the grass is greener. It may be more dangerous. It may not be where we're supposed to be at. But we're going to wander away. We're going to keep taking that next bite. From a little bit greener pasture, we're going to keep walking away and next thing we know we're all alone and that's when Satan can attack us. Do we seek out believers that are missing or falling away? So it's not just about paying attention in the local Bible, but are we seeking out people that maybe haven't shown up or been around for a while? Or maybe, they haven't, maybe their walk doesn't seem it when we talk to them. Are we seeking out other fellow believers that are hurt and lonely? especially during this time with the COVID virus, right? We've been so separated almost in our houses. And there for a while, it was kind of getting lonely for some of us when we couldn't leave the house and go to the store or come to church or go anywhere, right? we seeking out ways to contact those people. And the third thing he said was, the third time he said, uh, he said, feed my sheep again. But then after that, he said, follow me. Right, so keep feeding. Right, so feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep, and at the very end he says, "Follow me." Right, so let's look at Luke chapter fourteen, verses twenty-five through thirty-five. This is Jesus talking about what it means to follow Him. Now the great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, wanting to build a tower, doesn't sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to make fun of him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king will not sit down and decide if he is able, to, able with 10,000 to oppose the one who has come, at him, come against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for peace of, terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, every one of you does not say goodbye to all his possessions, cannot be my disciple. Now, salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how will it be made salty? If it isn't fit for the soil or for the manure pile, they throw it out. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen. So Jesus said to follow me is to hate your life, right? They not mean. I don't think he's meaning it to actually hate it, but are you willing to give it up to follow? Because the truth is, following Jesus and obeying the call that He gives may not be easy. All right? It wasn't easy for Abraham or Abram to leave his family with the unknowns and he was told to go to a place that will, he said, I'll I'll send you to a place where I will tell you when you get there. All right, he said, just pack your bags and let's go. Take your, take your wife, take Lot, you guys go. I'll give you a kid when we get there. You're You're gonna, I have all these promises for you, but I'm just, right now I just want you to step out and I want you to go. That wasn't easy. He left his security, he left his family wasn't easy for Moses to leave the wilderness and go back to Pharaoh in obedience. There was a lot of unknowns for Moses at that time. Remember, he left because he killed a man, one of Pharaoh's soldiers. What punishment could await him there when he gets back? He had to trust God. For Jonah, he had to trust God after the fact, after he made his mistake, right? he'd already been somewhat punished, but he had to trust God that the Ninevites wouldn't kill him when he got there. And we see people that were trusting God, they still made mistakes in the midst of it all, but they continued to trust God as they walked through life. And so a call to follow Jesus is not an easy call. It doesn't mean your life's going to be smooth sailing, right? I know we listen to some pastors on TV, and they say, if you do this, then life's going to be easy. He'll take away all your disease, all your sadness, all your troubles. But I don't see that anywhere in God's word. I see at times it becomes harder when you follow Christ because people oppose you. The world opposes you and attacks you. Paul's life didn't get easier when he accepted a call to follow Christ, did he? He had a pretty good life going before he followed Christ. I mean, he had all the power he wanted. He had all the all the people's support. But when he turned to follow Christ, the attacks came. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was attacked, arrested, spit on. Right? It didn't get easier because he followed Christ. He gave up the easiness to follow Christ. The truth is, we have to give up our will in order to follow. In order to obey God, we give up our will in order to obey God. I always tell the kids. I said, I'd rather be in God's will in the middle of a war zone than to be outside of God's will living in Meeker, Oklahoma, or Sparks, Oklahoma. Right? It's safer to be in God's will in the middle of a war zone where there's bullets and guns and stuff blowing up around you than it is to be sitting outside of God's will doing your own thing, even though the world would say it's a safer place. Secondly, we have to look at is we're following God. We have to be prepared for what God has planned. We have to be prepared for what God has planned for us. And it's different for each of us. I like to say this. I'd like to be able to say, here's what your plan is. Here's what your plan is. Here's what God has for you. But that's not the way it works, right? There's not an absolute script for our lives to what God has planned at certain moments in our life. It would make life easy if, if we had this playbook and it said, okay. At the age of 18, I go on a mission trip, be there for two years, and this is where I'm going, okay, and God's gonna do all this. Okay, then I come back after two years, I'm gonna get married, I'm gonna have this many kids. Like, it'd be easy if we had that playbook written for all of us, right? And we just knew exactly what we were supposed to do, when we were supposed to do it. And it was the same for all of us, and then we just, when we had questions, like, hey, what does it say on page five that we're supposed to, do? I'm not quite understanding this, and we kind of discuss it, right? But unfortunately, God doesn't give it to us like that. He speaks to each of us individually. Each of us has our own calling of what it means to follow him. For some, to follow him means you move around a lot and you go places. For others, it means to stay put where you're at and share the gospel in the midst of anything that goes around you. Um, For some, it means to be on the stage. For some, it means to just talk to your neighbors and share the message with them. Each of us have a different calling, but we have to be willing and be willing to obey and prepare to do that. And the last thing we see there is that it could lead to your death. It's a scary thought, isn't it? That following God could lead to death. And we see that over and over again throughout history. There's people who knowingly followed God and said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a stand because this is what God wants knowing full and well that it could cost them their life. I mean, it's happening today in other countries where people are taking a stand and saying, I'm going to follow God no matter what the cost, even if it's my life. My life It's it's worth it for my life to be gone if I choose to follow Christ and others get to hear Christ through my death. And so the, the last thing we see in this passage is, what about other people? What do we we see peter there right? he gets this great message from guys that do this follow me feed my sheep All right? that great pep talk and then what's his immediate response He kind of looks over his shoulder and goes what about john what, what are you gonna do with john what, what kind of message does he get right yeah yeah i love Jesus' response uh, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it in my own words. She just basically said, what does it matter? I'm telling you to go out and do this. Don't worry about John's calling. He's different than you. I'm not calling John to be Peter. I'm calling Peter to be Peter. I'm not calling Peter to be John. Right? How often do we, do we look at where we're at in our lives let say, well, what about that guy? I want to be that guy. He's popular. He's he's the one preaching to everybody. Why can't I do that? Right? Well, I can stand up here and compare myself to Billy Graham, right? Why can't I be Billy Graham? Because I'm not Billy Graham. I'm Charles Robertson. We're different. And it's easy to compare ourselves to other people and what their walk is versus our walk. and Why do they get this? And why don't I get this? Why are they... Why are, why am I having to struggle with these things when everything is going perfect for them? And we stand back and, we, and we're looking at what other people's callings are around us and we ignore the biggest picture in our life. We kind of see that from Peter here. He goes, what about John? What's, what's he get to do? Just, if I choose to let him live until I come back, what does it matter to you? This is why I have something special for you not anyone else. I'll talk to John later. We we can get together have our own conversation. But right now, I want to talk to Peter. I want Peter to do what Peter's supposed to do. And it can become a sad day when we're so worried about other people's lives and other people's ministries and what they have or don't have that we have or don't have that we overlook what God's doing in our life and teaching us and preparing us to do that we can't even follow the Great Commission because we're so occupied with everyone else around us and what they're supposed to be doing, right? And that can be a tough time. Um, and so, so many times we focus on what we think is best rather than trusting God because we want to look at what everybody else has. Like, okay, okay. So that pastor over there, he has a large church. He has thousands of people. How do I get there? Right? Or for you guys, well, why does that church have a thousand people and we, we have a smaller number? And God says, What does it matter to you what that church has? We're talking the sparks today, not first not southern Dell City or first church of Washington, DC, right? This is a sparks, sparks community. He has a plan for us each individually and as a church. And so, where does it matter what, what God does to those other churches, whether they rise or fall? It, it may not have an impact on us as, as sparks, right? He has a calling for us to reach and a community for us to reach that's different than the churches in Shawnee, Meeker, or Pray, right? It's a different community. It's a different calling. And so we can get so focused on outside that we forget about what we're called to do and where we're called to be. Now, I love how he finishes the chapter here in John 21. As, we, as we're getting close to closing, it said in verses 24 and 25, as John finishes this um, chapter, it says, This is the disciple who testifies to thee things, and he wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And here's one of my favorite things in the Bible here. It says, And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written down one by one, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that could be written. So, as we read God's Word, know that this is not an exhaustive list of things that Jesus did on the earth. It's not an exhaustive list. There's a lot more. And so, we were talking about this the other night as a family. Like, just imagine. The list of things that jesus did if it if it wouldn't if the world couldn't contain the books how many things jesus did on a daily basis in helping people and miracles and speeches he said so so they're giving us this little bit of great things that jesus said and we're missing out a lot of a lot of things that we probably would like to love to know right there's a lot of pieces in these stories that we'd love to know more about like, we would love to know what John was thinking while he was listening to Peter thinking, talking, right? Um, I, I just love this little piece of John's life because he was doing the same thing Peter was, right? Peter's like, what about John? John's over going, what? what's he saying? Why can't, why does he get to have that quiet time with Jesus? No, I don't. So we have two different people doing the same thing. They're so worried about what the other one's getting. That they may overlook what they what they have in their own life and that, that Jesus loves both of them, but they have different ministries. Right? And so I did a study. I wanted to see kind of what happened to some of these disciples, right? So that we don't have the exact written of what happened to all the disciples. Um but historically it's thought of that where it says Peter here was taken, was tied up and taken away, that was referring to how he was gonna die on the cross. Right? And so Peter. The story goes he was hung upside down on a cross because he didn't think he was worthy to die the same way Jesus did. John, however, had a different style, different life. They they believe he lived to die of old age. He didn't die die being persecuted or martyred. But uh, the story goes that John was they had arrested him and they, they went to persecute him for the leader's birthday, and so they put a boiling bucket of oil down and they tossed John into it which would have been a way to kill him except one problem so he goes he jumped out down sat on the edge and started proclaiming the gospel to the people in the midst of everybody and so what they did is, then they ended up taking John and because what do you do once you've tried to kill somebody in the presence of everybody you don't try it again right <laughs> the story gets too strong if, he, if it happens twice so they took him and put him on the island of uh, Tatma Patmos, how do you say that? Word? Right, they put him on island, exiled him by himself, and that's where God God gave John, um, John the vision of Revelation. And John was able to spend more time with God and get more information, and another vision from Christ. So two different lives, two different ways of sharing the word. And as I looked at the different disciples. It was kind of cool the read. They talked about where their missions trips went and they literally went all over the known world. They had one disciple spent time in China and India. Others spent time in Africa, Armenia, Russia, right? The whole European continent was covered by the disciples as they traveled and they spread the gospel. So it didn't just stay in this little tiny area but it spread out amongst the world at that time. So as the musicians come forward, uh, just a quick review. First thing is we're not perfect and we have a past that that doesn't include our salvation. Right. We, we have that past that for some of us can be painful and dark and we don't want to think about it. And we worry about what will God say when we're in his presence because of that life. Just remember that that God still saved you He loves you. He knew the past before Christ died on the cross. He knew what you were going to do and who you were going to be. And he still chose to love you enough to die on the cross. Second thing is, if we, if we love Christ, we, like Peter, are called to feed his lambs, shepherd his sheep, and to follow Jesus. So we're called to do those three things. So I want to ask, are you doing those three things in your daily life? Are you feeding sheep, shepherding sheep, and are you following Jesus? And the last thing, we all have a separate calling. Focus on yours. Focus on what God's calling you to do. Put the blinders on. Ignore the world around you on that aspect of what God's calling other people to do. Don't jump into other people's callings just because they have a cool calling, right? Do what God calls you to do. When we think about the many parts of the body, there are certain body parts that we don't want to be, right? We all, we all all When I say that, we all think of a certain body part. I don't want to be that. All right, we all have an idea of what it is, but take that part that you're thinking that you don't want to be and think how important it is and what your body would be like without it. Right, everybody may have a different thing, but I can guarantee you when you think about not having that part of the body, you'll realize that the body would fall apart without that peace. All right? So don't let don't don't try to be somebody else's job. Don't let try to do someone else's calling, but obey your calling and your calling alone. Because without it, the body falls apart. God's glory isn't shown because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. We can do a lot of good things. We've talked about that in James, right? Doing the good things without God's blessing is is just as bad as not doing the good things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for allowing us to just come together and worship you. Father, I pray that you will help us to find the, find the sheep to feed and the sheep to shepherd. Father, and we just obey your callings, Father, just to follow you. Father, I pray that you will allow us to have people above us, Father, to shepherd us and to feed us also. That we can honor you in the midst of all those things, Father. Father, if we are not perfect individuals. We are not perfect as a church. Father, I pray that you would just help to lead us to repentance on you, Father, that we can continue to obey you in all that we do. Father, turn our hearts to you, that so we can understand you and get you wisdom, Father. Praise you and love you every day. Amen. Everybody will stand turn to page five now.